as a child, every single one of us, probably every single one of us, were taught what the real meaning of Christmas is, right? Right? What, what, it's, it's Jesus, right? Right. Yeah, there we go. We're, 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 we're in here. But, but let's be honest, okay? You don't have to tell anybody I said this. I'm not going to tell anybody you agreed with this. But let's be honest. For most of us, maybe just for me, maybe I'm the only person in the room that felt this way. Um, Christmas is all about the gift, man. Maybe I should say plural. Christmas is all about the gifts. It's all about those gifts, man. Christmas was about getting. End of story. Now, look, I don't know how things went at your house where you grew up. I don't know how the Christmas morning kind of operated in the house that you grew up in. But for me, in the house that I grew up in, Christmas morning typically looked something like this. Uh, my brother would wake up like hours before I would. He would be up one, two, three hours before I would wake up. And uh, I would stay in bed as long as I possibly could. I would try to milk all of the Christmas excitement out of the day that I possibly could because if it never started, it was never over. That was my thought process in the whole deal. But he would be up, drove him absolutely crazy, which was a complete bonus. And, and, and so he would be up all jacked up, running around, fired up about it. I'm just in bed chilling probably very opposite of what you would think if you knew us. You would think I'd kind of be the opposite of that. But, but I'm just like staying in bed until, until on Christmas morning, typically my dad, he would come in the bedroom, he would come in to the room where I was, and he would say the magic words. My dad would come in and he would say those magic words, make that magical announcement that would invariably turn my head, get my attention. Quite honestly, it probably still would turn yours to this day. He would say this. He would say, I've been in the living room. I've been there. Santa's been here, right? Santa's been here. You won't believe what you're about to see. I mean, it would turn my head, man. Boom. With that pronouncement, with that announcement, Christmas was on. Let's roll. Let's do it. You know, Santa presents, the stockings are full. It is the single most important day on the entire child calendar, December the 25th. I mean, real talk, okay? Again, we don't have to tell anybody we said this. Real talk, Christmas was forgetting. More and more and more. More, right? Christmas, even before the big day, right? Even before the big day, we had the Christmas catalog. Like, if you're from my generation or older, you know what I'm talking about. The wish book. We had the wish book. J.C. Penney's Sears catalog. You take the Sears catalog, the J.C. Penney catalog, you would open it up. You would circle everything that you wanted. You'd circle it. You'd highlight it. Big stars, big arrows, you know, like smiley faces. I couldn't draw, so it looked really bad. But at the end of the day, it was no doubt, Mom, Dad, this is what I want. There was no mistaking by the time it was time for mom and dad to go shopping and it was time for me to wake up on Christmas morning and see what was underneath the tree, there was absolutely no mistaking what I wanted for Christmas. I had a buddy, um, he, uh, when he was 16, he got a truck when he was 16 years old. I'll never forget it. That Christmas, he went around to every one of our houses, like in our circle, you know, he went to every one of our houses that Christmas morning. He would pull up in the front yard, not in the driveway, in the front yard, and he would just lay on the horn. He's like, look, look what I got for Christmas. He was making such a huge, huge deal about it. He was telling everyone. I'll never forget it. Because let's be honest. Let's be honest. Wasn't the real meaning of Christmas when we were kids? 
maybe still to this day, wasn't it about getting? It's okay to admit it. I mean, would you have been excited if you woke up on Christmas morning and there was nothing under the tree? No. Would you have been content if in your family you would have woken up on Christmas morning, gathered around the Christmas tree, read the Christmas story, had breakfast, and that was it. That's it. That's all. We're done. You know, this year for Christmas, we're not doing gifts. We're not going to do all that. We're going to uh, we're going to get up, we're going to read the Christmas story, we're going to have breakfast, and uh, that's it. What a ripoff! I mean, if that would have happened in my household, I would have been like, you've got to be kidding me. What are we doing? Where's the, what's the joke? Where's the camera? You know? You would, you would have been just absolutely, you would have hated it. You would have hated every moment of it. Because at, as kids, we knew the real meaning of Christmas. We knew the real meaning that no one talked about, but everyone lived. Christmas is for getting. Some good stuff, some loot, some scores, some treasures, and some toys. On Christmas morning, on Christmas morning, my head didn't turn because it was December the 25th. My head did not turn because, you know, this is the day that we celebrate the birth of Jesus. My head turned because I knew what was about to happen. And you know what? If anyone else in the room is starting to feel a little bit guilty about their Christmas focus, like, I am right about now, which, by the way, I'm the one on the stage with the microphone, why, all this recording for the rest of you know, history all time. I'm the one saying it up here. You can deny it. But if anyone else is feeling a little bit guilty, like I am, about my Christmas focus, I've got some good news for you. I've got some very good news for you because it's not totally wrong. It's not completely wrong. It's not completely out of left field. Christmas is for getting. So this year for Christmas, you have an excuse to focus on getting. You have an excuse for announcing to everyone, you won't believe what I got for Christmas this year. Now, I'm excited about where we're going with this series for the month of December. I'm excited to teach this, uh, but I've got to be honest with you. I've got to be very honest with you. It's going to start off a little bit strange. If it hasn't already, it's, it's, gonna, it's getting weirder. Um, it, it's going to start off a little bit strange because um, we're going to look at the Christmas story in every gospel biography, which for some of you, you know why that's strange. You know why it's like, wait a second, hold on, what? We're going to, the Christmas story in all four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I've never met anyone. I've never met anyone who said that they were going to read the Christmas story um, out of the gospel biography as told by Mark. I've never met anyone because at first glance, it's not there. It's not there. In fact, at second and third glance, it's, it's not there either, <laughs> the Christmas story according to Mark. It, it's just not there. See, the gospel of Mark actually begins with Jesus at about the age of 30. He's about 30 years old. Now, that's not quite the cute little, you know, cuddly, swaddled baby Jesus in a manger that we think of when we think of Christmas. That's not the one that we're used to. This is Jesus with a beard, okay? Mark, who probably was riding with Peter, kind of alongside uh, the apostle Peter, they, they apparently didn't get the memo. You know, Christmas starts with a baby, not a beard. But just like on all of those Christmas mornings when I was a kid growing up, you know, when, when my dad would walk into the bedroom and, and make that big announcement that would turn my head, just like what I experienced and maybe you experienced growing up, every great Christmas story begins with an announcement. It begins with a pronouncement. It begins with a, hey, guys, look right here. Pay attention to this. Check this out. You're not going to believe it. Just hang on. It's coming. 
You're getting ready to get something. It's going to be big. It's going to be huge. Now, most often in Scripture, that announcing is done by an angel, but not always. Sometimes, you know, in the Old Testament, Old Covenant, uh, it would be an angel. Sometimes it would be a prophet. Sometimes, sometimes it would be a bush on fire. Sometimes it would be God himself making the announcement. But like all good Christmas stories, this one that we have in the gospel biography of Jesus, according to Mark, probably, by the way, the very first Christmas story ever written down that we ha still have, that we still have a record of. This story, it begins with a pronouncement, just like all the rest of them. Um, we have it in Mark chapter 1, verse 1, where Mark says, this is the good news. The good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. He starts his Christmas story with this. He says, it began. The pronouncement ends with, it began, which is interesting because the very first pronouncement ever, I mean, like of all time, began the same way. It begins where this verse ends, in the beginning, God, right? It all begins with God. And so does the Christmas story in Mark, it began. Mark tells us that this is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, it began just as the prophet Isaiah said that it would. Just as he, he had written. See, Mark right here in his Christmas story, he takes us back. He takes us way back. Um, he tells us that his Christmas story actually begins with what the old covenant prophet Isaiah told us. It, it begins exactly the way that he said it's going to start. Now, to me, this is interesting. Mark, in his gospel biography, he jumps 700 years before Christmas. Um, he jumps uh, way back to remind you and to remind me that there was actually another pronouncement that was made 700 years before Christmas. There, there was an, uh, another announcer that turned the heads of everyone who read what he had to say. Turned the heads of everyone who heard what he had to say. Uh, a pronouncement of all of the events that we think of when we think of Christmas happened 700 years before the event. Before all the things that we think of when we think of Christmas, God sent a messenger. He sent an announcer. And his announcer was named Isaiah. God sent Isaiah to everyone 700 years before all of this. And here's what Isaiah told everyone. He said, hey, hey, hey guys, listen. Look at me. Listen up. Something big is coming. Something huge is getting ready to happen. You need to pay attention. And then Mark, in his gospel biography, quoting Isaiah, who was actually quoting God, says this in Mark chapter 1, verse 2. He says, look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. He is the voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. 700 years before it happened, 700 years before of what we think of as Christmas, God sent a messenger to let us know hey, you need to be expecting another messenger. There's going to be another one coming. There's going to be someone else uh, that's going to be making another pronouncement. Be ready for him. And that's actually how Mark's gospel story begins. That's how it starts, by telling us, yeah, yeah. You know that thing that Isaiah told us was going to happen 700 years ago? It happened. It happened just like he said that it would happen. And it's all a part of my Christmas story. Let me tell you about it. Mark tells us that this messenger that Isaiah talked about 700 years ago, this messenger predicted by Isaiah, according to Mark, was John the Baptist. He was the one who's going to announce all this Christmas stuff. 
He was in the wilderness, Mark tells us, and, and he preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and had turned to God to be forgiven. And let me tell you something. It turns some heads what John the Baptist had to say, John the baptizer. John's message got a ton of attention, got a lot of attention. John tells anyone who will listen, he says, hey, this is all about forgiveness. Everything that is coming, everything that I am preparing the way for, it's all about forgiveness, what it's all centered on. But even still, with that statement, even still, you have no idea just how big this really is going to be. You have no idea how significant what is about to happen is. It's going to make your head spin. And apparently, apparently the people 2,000 years ago, the people in that day, they really responded to John's announcement. They really responded to what John was teaching. They turned their heads. They took notice of what was happening out in the, in the wilderness. They were getting excited about this announcement to the point where, according to Mark, Mark tells us that everyone in Judea, all of Judea, including all of the people of Jerusalem, they went out to see and to hear John. Think about that. We're talking about massive amounts of people going out to see this man by the name of John who's making this big announcement. I mean, Mark is using phrases like an excited teenager would use, you know, saying, everyone's going to be there. You won't believe it. It's going, it's so big, it's so huge. Everyone is going. Everyone's taking notice. Now, this is hyperbole. I'm sure this has got to be a hyperbole, but still, I mean, the point that Mark is trying to make is taken, right? I mean, we get the point, Mark. Not only were a lot of people showing up to hear what John has to say, but apparently many people were also responding to John's message. They weren't just hearing, they were responding to what John had to say, because Mark tells us that when they, after they came out from Judea and Jerusalem, when they confessed their sins, he says that they were, they were baptized in the Jordan River. Now, this is, this is awesome. I wish I had time to explain the whole baptism thing. I wish we had time to kind of stay right here for a few minutes, but the truth is we don't. But we actually talked about that on June the 5th of this year. We had a, a single, not a series, we had a single message on June the 5th about baptism. And I would encourage you, you can go to SoundCloud uh, and look that up. You can search Harley Petty, Stuggar Harvest Church will be right there, June 5th. That's when that was happened. I would encourage you to check that out. But but, but just for now, because we don't have time, I want to go back to Mark. I want to go back to Mark's story that he's telling us. He goes on in his Christmas story, after all of that, and he kind of gives us a little bit of background about John, just a little bit. He gives us the background about the way he eats. He gives us the background about, you know, how he dresses, fashion. Mark tells us that John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair. He wore a leather belt around his waist for food. He ate locusts and wild honey. Yum, yum. Um, but I want you to notice what comes next. After this, next, Mark gives us that traditional Christmas pronouncement that we, we think of. Again, it's not an angel this time. Often it's an angel. It's not an angel this time. No, this time the announcement is going to come from a hairy, bug-eating wild man in the wilderness by the name of John. In fact, that's exactly the way Mark puts it. He says, John announced, as he was teaching, as he was, he was spreading this, he was announcing someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. Someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. In fact, Mark clear, or excuse me, John clarifies it. He says, he's so much greater than I am 
that I'm not even worthy like a slave to stoop down and untie the straps of his sandals. That's how much more significant, how much better, how much above the one that's coming after me is. Now, something I find interesting when I think about the way that we, that I was taught John the Baptist, and again, this may not have been you, this was me, and I know some other people probably were taught something very similar to this. When I was taught about John the Baptist, um, the way I've kind of always viewed John the Baptizer, um, is we kind of joke about him, we kind of I say make fun of him, but we, we do, we just kind of joke about him. He's that hairy, bug-eating, crazy, wild man in the wilderness who's just shouting, you know? We only focus on what he looks like. We really don't pay too close attention to the message that he's offering. But see, 2,000 years ago, that wasn't the case. It may be the case for us today. 2,000 years ago, that was not the case. Apparently, John was not just considered the wild man in the wilderness who's just shouting for the sake of shouting. See, apparently, John had a lot of credibility. John, John the baptizer had credibility because John had a following. John had a following. John even had students. We find out later, John has students. I mean, come on. People were traveling in a time where travel was not only very, very difficult, but it was very, very dangerous. People were traveling a very long way to hear what John had to say. When John spoke, heads turned. And what John is saying, he's pronouncing something's coming. Something's getting ready to happen. He's telling people, the person who's coming after me, I'm not worthy to unstrap his sandals. Just, we're not on the same level. John says, I baptize you with water. But he, the one that's coming after me, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In other words, what you are going to get from me, what you are in the process right now of getting from me is nothing. What you're traveling all this way to get from me, nothing compared to what you're going to get from the one who is coming. Hey, come on. Everyone loves getting. That, that's just, people. So the person that said it is better, you know, it's better to give than receive, they're crazy. We all love getting something, even when we give. We give so that, you know, you get that good feeling about, did you like what I got you? It's all about getting. We, everyone loves getting. It's not new. Everybody loves a good gift. And John's letting them know, saying, hey, get ready. Because you're about to get something. The one that is coming after me, you're going to be getting something so amazing. Get ready. Get ready. He's coming. Just like John said, just like John said soon after that, Mark tells us that one day Jesus, he came from Nazareth in Galilee. This was pretty good ways away from where John was. Galilee was in the northern part of what we think of as Israel. This is all happening in the southern part, in Judea. Jesus comes from Nazareth, and, and John baptizes him, not in the Jericho River, but in the Jordan River. One time I said Jericho accidentally. He baptizes him in the Jordan River. Now, you read that, and it's kind of like, man, it's a little bit anticlimactic, Mark. I mean, is that it? Is that it? That's, that's the story? John, 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 what do we get? What do we get? What are we getting? said we're getting something. What are we getting? What is it that we are going to be receiving? Is this it? 
John, you, you, John would have to think, what do you mean? Is this it? Is this all? Is this, is this all that's under the tree? Are you kidding me? What do you mean, what are you getting? You're getting Jesus. Is it not obvious? That's what you're getting. Are you kidding me? This is huge. You have no idea just how huge this really is. We're getting something. We're getting someone who's not just turning heads this time. Mark continues with his story. As Jesus comes up out of the water, right? As Jesus comes up out of the water, he sees the heavens splitting apart, and we're told that the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove. And then there's this voice from heaven. Now, this is pretty cool. Remember all of the other announcements that we've talked about, all the other pronouncements, whether it's your dad on Christmas morning or the angel or the bush? This is different. This time, the announcer's not an angel. The announcer's not a burning bush in the wilderness. It's not a prophet named Isaiah. It's not even a crazy, bug-eating, wild man in the wilderness named John. No, this time, this time the pronouncement, the announcement is being made by God himself. God himself. See, every good Christmas story, it begins with a pronouncement. Every good Christmas story, it grabs our attention, it turns our heads, and it makes us kind of look, and it makes us think, wait a second, hang on, you're about to get something, get ready, don't oversleep, don't stay in the bed, get up, you're about to get something, and it's going to be amazing. See, Isaiah and John the baptizer, they said, hang on, get ready, he's coming. He's coming. Get ready. Here he comes. Now we have God saying, no, 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 no. Here he is. The word has become flesh and he is dwelling among you. God, his announcement is this. He says, you are my dearly loved son. God telling the world, God telling you, God telling me. He's saying, guys, I'm giving you something. I'm giving you something. I'm giving you my son. God with a bod here, I'm giving you the best of myself. God himself, I'm giving you God, God himself, stepping out of the perfection of heaven into the broken down world that every single one of us understands all too well. Stepping out of the perfection of heaven to live among broken people just like me. That's Christmas. You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. That's a great Christmas story. So that's Mark's gospel biography. In Mark's gospel biography, we, we discover something really cool. We discover something very, very interesting. We discover that Christmas really is about getting. It really does begin there. First it began in the beginning God, and, and now it continues. Christmas, according to Mark, it is 
about getting. And then Mark tells us this. He, he says that after his baptism, Jesus, the Spirit compels Jesus to go into the wilderness where uh, he is tempted by Satan for 40 days. He's among the wild animals. The angels actually attend to him. They take care of him. And, and then between verses 13 and 14, there's some time that passes. We don't know how much, but we, there's some time that passes because Mark tells us that later on, after John is arrested, after John is arrested, Mark tells us that Jesus then goes into Galilee and he, he begins preaching God's good news. So now the gift that we just got, now it's his turn to announce. It's his turn to pronounce. It's the gift that just keeps giving. And this is what Jesus announced. This is what his announcement was when he went into Galilee and when he taught for those three years, roughly three years. This is what Jesus announces. He says this. He says, the time promised, the time promised by God, it's come at last. The kingdom of God is near. He says this. He says, repent of your sins. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. He's not just turning their heads this time. That's every other time. He's not just turning their heads this time. Uh, he's not just uh, trying to get them to take notice of something this time. Don't miss it. Not just that. It's not just, I don't, I don't want you to miss something that's going on really exciting out in the wilderness. You know, I don't want you to miss. It's not that. It's not, uh, you know, uh, rush out and to see what all the commotion is about. It's not even being curious about some new rabbi who's, talking about a new controversial way to do things. No, see, Jesus, Jesus not, is not just asking people to turn their heads this time. Jesus is asking people to turn their entire lives around this time. He's asking people to repent and to turn around. He's asking people to repent and to change directions, turn around and believe, because Jesus is the gift that turns hearts. He turns more than just heads. Jesus is the gift that's a part of all of our Christmas stories. But here's the catch. Here's the catch. In order to receive this gift, we've got to turn around to get it. We've got to make a decision to change directions. We've got to begin following after a different boss. So, what better time than Christmas to receive the gift that was sent on Christmas? So how about today? How about during this Christmas season? How about turning your heart around and take hold of the gift that God offered himself, his son, Jesus? How about making him the boss of your life today? What a great Christmas story that could be. See, like all good Christmas stories, like all good stories, it begins with an announcement. Has your story with Jesus begun? Has it begun yet? Have you made the decision to begin following the gift that is God's Son? Our next step this week is a simple question. This year for Christmas, if you haven't already, Will you consider turning your heart around to follow Jesus? Is it time for you to begin a relationship with him? Or maybe, maybe for you, maybe you would say, 
My Christmas story is a little bit different than that. It, it, it's, it's a little different. Maybe your Christmas story is more about a fresh beginning as opposed to a new beginning. Maybe your Christmas story is more about beginning again. So your question might look like this. Is it time for you to pick up that relationship with Christ again? Is it time to pick it back up? Is the gift that is God's son, is it just been sitting in the closet for way too long, getting stale, getting worn out? You've received it, but you're not really using it, you know? What a great Christmas story this could be. See, Christmas really is forgetting. It really is. The story of Christmas, it has probably turned your head a time or two. But has the story of Christmas ever truly turned your heart? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's turned my head.